Hey everyone, it's me, Coralie, and welcome to my podcast, Coralie's Anxieties. Hey everyone. Hey everyone, how are you today? I'm going to go off on a bit of a rant here. So, for 10 years, I've been dealing with the same thing. Actually, it probably goes back more like 15 years. We won't get into that part of the past. I haven't seen my daughter since Christmas. I'm going to go back to November 2018, when my son was put in the hospital by my ex for watching YouTube on a Monday. I wasn't told about it. I didn't hear about it until the Friday when I texted to find out what time we were doing our kid exchange at. All right, we worked through it. It was found that he would no longer be allowed to live in that home, which is a win for me. Up until that point, my ex and her partner had decided to take it upon themselves to call the police on Nathan upwards of eight times for freaking out. And and I'm empathetic to my son for this. She likes to push buttons. She's very demanding. She's also very controlling. Things that she accuses me of continually. When this happened, child and family development was involved. My ex wanted my son to go to the adolescent psych department in our local hospital here, BGH Children's or Surrey Memorial, and have a psych assessment done. We've gone past that. We've done the psych assessment. There's no reason for him to spend a month in in the APU. Just to put that one to bed at the moment. So he was here for two weeks, and we had um, a hearing, not with a judge, but with child and family development and all parties involved. And it was decided for Nathan's safety, he would reside with me. I would re-enroll him in school here in Abbotsford, and proceed to to raise my son, which I've always wanted to do, and and my daughter as well. At the time, my ex said, "Oh, you can't see. You can't see our daughter until Nathan's under control for fear of Sophia's well-being." I knew it wasn't Sophia's well-being. I was worried about it was Nathan's well-being at the time. These two are kids. They fight like brothers and sisters. They also love each other like brother and sister. But it would always be one instigating and one retaliating. And I really truly believe if you're always living in a place of heightened anxiety, you are much easier to explode. And that's pretty much where Nathan was living at the time. He was always on the edge. He had seven different medications He had an emergency medication, which I still have, and I don't even know what it's called because I've never had to use it for him to calm him down. So he rolled in school. It's Christmas time, so it's a month month since all this happened. I agreed to let Nathan go back up there for Christmas Day and to come home in a couple of days, Boxing Day of the 27th. Yeah, my daughter would return with Nathan, so I would have some time to spend with her. And this goes on 
in the past, everything I'm going to say here now on my little rant, you can only imagine what's happened in the past because it's the same shit. It's just a different excuse or a different story. Nathan has a meltdown up there. They call the cops on him. I'm actually on the phone with them while they're throwing him out of the pickup into the snow and calling the police on the other phone and trying to calm him down. And I do. I calm him down, talk him back into the pickup and get him calm. The next day I went and picked Nathan up again without my daughter because the excuse was for Sophia's safety, she can't come for New Year's. So now I don't see my daughter until March, till spring break. So she comes for a week. It got shortened. My ex changed the rules. They have to go to my mom's. Not enough time. I didn't keep her as long. The excuse is I didn't want I didn't want her, which is the absolute opposite of what actually fucking happened. I wanted her to stay longer and end up fighting with my ex and just end up giving in, which I should have said no. Nathan goes up there for a week and comes home and goes back to school. At this point, he isn't in full class days. We're still working out his anxieties. I'm not allowed to see my daughter now until summer. Uh, up to this point, we were switching alternating weekends. My ex says, "No, you can't have you can't, you can't have Sophia for fear of her safety in your home until Nathan's under control." So now we're into summer 2019. Same thing again. Nathan goes up there for a week. He wants to stay longer because now he's having fun. Because now he's off a couple of the medications. He's calmer, easier to manage. And Nathan's easier to manage for himself because he's not in a state and height of anxiety all the time. Sophia comes here. She's supposed to be here for a week. Again, the trip is shortened to six days because they need to go out to my ex-mother-in-law's house. Fine, I'm not going to fight. I take her out and, and, and deal with it. Again, the school year starts, 2019. I don't see my daughter until Christmas. And again, the trip is shortened. Yet Nathan spends more time with my ex in Princeton. But I'm an asshole. I've done something wrong. So now, I haven't seen my daughter currently since Christmas, and I realize that we're in the middle of a pandemic. And for safety reasons, I take it back from that. It, I get it. It's fine. I want the safety of both of my kids. Today I phone. All my messages are ignored. Sophia or Sarah's had another baby. So now there's a two-year-old and a baby in the house, and my 12-year-old daughter, who I already know is going to have to help raise the two-year-old because I know how my ex works and help run the farm. And what I get is excuses. No, you can, you can come up here for a social distancing visit, which I already had mentioned to her. I want to come up and see my daughter. We'll come up when the weather is good, you know, a decent day so we can stay outside. I don't want to come up there when it's raining or even a little earlier in the year when it was still maybe snowing up there. That hasn't happened. And now things are opening up. and People are starting to move around again. She's pregnant at this time. Well, we can't come because she's at high risk. 
Fine. She's had the baby. It's been a few weeks. I phone because I want to go up to see Sophia. I'm looking at my schedule based on work, which days work for me. Now, she doesn't work. She stays home and looks after the kids. Her husband works, gets the weekends off. I said, well, next Wednesday, we have no appointments. I don't have to work. It's going to be nice. It's a great day to come up. No, you can't come that day. Mike's not going to be here. He needs to be here to look after the baby and the two-year-old. Whatever. So we'll come Sunday. We have stuff to do on Sunday. And what pisses me off is that we were alternating weekends. The fucking courts in this province, in this fucking country, do not do anything to protect the parent that's been paying child support, which I've been accused of of being late every month. Yet there was never a fine by Family Maintenance Enforcement Program issued to me because I was never late. Actually, I was an entire month ahead of myself to protect myself from their fine that they impose if you're late, which is $400 each time you're late, which wouldn't go to benefit my child. It would just strictly go to fund them. So I made sure I overpaid to be an entire month ahead in case something happened where I was short on money and I would never leave myself in a bad, vulnerable situation. But during all that time, we've got lawyers involved. We're still fighting with the lawyers. I'm having bills handed to me for parking receipts for the swimming pool because it's an extraordinary expense. They decided to go swimming. Parking receipts for going to the doctor because it's an extraordinary expense. Thankfully, the lawyers worked things out and said that is not considered an extraordinary expense. 50% of glasses, and this is where it gets really fucked up. They had part of benefit, and I had part of benefit. And I kept giving them the benefit number so they could have a direct build, which my insurer would allow direct billing. No. No, they actually wanted the cash or the they wanted the cash or the receipt so they could bill, and I wouldn't get to keep the receipt. Then I was accused of double dipping. I'm like, how do I double dip? If I've paid pay you cash, you get the money back. I don't get anything out of this. You have the receipt. You won't give me the receipt for me to submit it to my insurer. You want me to give you the money to pay for my half and the receipt so you can submit the receipt to the insurer, my insurer, so you can get the money. And it gets it gets more weird. I'm not going to keep beating on that one because it gets it gets it becomes a complete fucking gong show. Just to tell you, my son has been living here now for almost 18 months, from seven medications down to two. Happy, goes to school all day from start to finish. Doesn't hit anybody at school. Doesn't fight with his teachers. Loves his teachers. Is actually sad. When school stops due to COVID, and last year was sad when school let out at the end of June because he was actually, for the first time in his life, having a good school experience. This poor kid started off at one school for kindergarten and grade one, then they moved. He had to go to another school for two years. They moved again. He had to go to another school for a couple of years, then moved again. Had to go to another school in a completely different town. And you wonder why he's going to have anxiety or social anxiety problems 
going to school. If he's not getting any support, one day they're in Princeton. It's winter. It's been snowing. Nathan and Sophia are fighting. So guess what? Sophia gets a ride to school, and Nathan gets kicked out of the pickup and told to walk. I don't know where that parenting is acceptable. I understand when two people divorce, there's animosity and not get along. And my lawyer before was looking at parent separate, or not, what is it called? It's called, um, um, there's a name for this where, where you, you create, there's an actual term and name for this. Oh, it'll come to me. So I'm having a brain fart with it, but it's parent alienation syndrome. And it's legit. It's for real. And it's illegal. And it's provable in court. Not always easy, but it is provable in court. And I feel right now, and I've been dealing with this for 10 years, It's this is happening now. And I think it's wrong. There is no protection for me. There's no protection to protect my daughter. Child and Family Development in Penticton told me that all the things that happened with Nathan was on the verge of child abuse, yet they wouldn't take my daughter out of that home and out of that situation. That was something for family law. The fact that my son goes to school full-time has gone down to two medications a day, which probably the psychologist that last seen Nathan said, oh, you can probably take the one of those two medications away and just leave the anti-anxiety medication in his regiment. And his anti-anxiety medication, I've taken in the past. I know what it's like to take. I also know how it deals with your anxiety. I know many people that use that same medication to help them with anxiety. But the one thing I've noticed about my son in all of this time, his anxiety is manageable without medication because he's learned the tools to communicate. He's not being pressed to the limit all the time. He's allowed to express himself as an individual at 14 years old. I'm so proud of him. He's an amazing, amazing young man and is going to do a lot of wonderful things in this world. My daughter is also an amazing person who I love very much, and I dearly, dearly miss her. But my fear is that she's been poisoned with lies, and I could get more involved in this rant, but I'm not going to at this time. There's been a lot of things that have been done and said and a lot of blame put on my shoulders for things that I may or may not have done. I mean, we're all guilty, but I've never restricted access to my children. When they moved, I was given a letter, which I still have, which will be presented to the courts on our next go around, which is coming up soon because I've had enough of this shit. COVID or no COVID, I want to see my fucking daughter. That we would do a kid exchange at said point, and I agreed to it. That point, that, that point is getting farther and farther away from my home. To the point now, if I want to even go see my daughter, I have no choice but to drive all the way to their house three hours away. If I want to bring my daughter back, I got to go get her. And I'm not complaining because I will do that. But I also have to return her. So that's a six-hour round trip. It works out to about seven. That's if I'm allowed to see her. And if my ex knows that we're coming, 
there's no guarantee that she's going to be there when we get there because she's busy running a farm. It's actually a fucking hobby farm. farm. It's some chickens and a couple of pigs and some goats on a piece of land, but it's a farm. So she can't go anywhere because she's running a farm. And now she's got two new little nose pickers to deal with. Unfortunately for my daughter, I know how this game goes because I lived with my ex for seven years, eight years. My daughter's going to be stuck helping raise those two children and doing all the chores during the week when the step-parent is away. Now, speaking of the step-parent, that step-parent is referred to as the parent. I'm not even talked about in context. If I have to contact the school, I have to tell them who I am and my relationship to my daughter and then get questioned about it because I'm not actually on the paperwork for the school as a parent. I've been removed from that status. Yet this is acceptable. I don't know how this gets fixed in our system. This is why I think we have a lot of young adults with a lot of problems. Because they've not been given the tools to deal with two parents fighting or one completely irrational parent. I swear my ex is bipolar. I've seen it on numerous occasions, which I won't get into. Yet I have no rights. The only right I have to do, the only right I have, is to hire a lawyer because I can't beat their lawyer because I'm not educated that way. So it's always on my dime to see my daughter. And I think that's wrong. I can't afford a lawyer because I've been paying child support. I didn't get to buy two or three new houses because I've been paying my child support. I don't get to buy a new vehicle every couple of years because I've been paying my child support. Yet my ex has all that. And the joke is, and my kids have joked about this, that Sarah would say, oh, Mom Coralie paid for this house. Mom Coralie paid for this car because I paid my fucking child support. I don't know. This is my rant today. I hope it's not boring. It's frustrating. I have felt frustrated about this for 10 years to see my kids. Thankfully, my son lives with me. I'm so grateful for that. I would love for my daughter to live with me. There's no joy more in the world than having my daughter here with me. But this fighting without help is nuts. There's more I can tell you. It would make your hair go gray. Promise. I guarantee it it would. Anyways, I have to get that off my chest. Thank you for listening. Peace, love, and namaste.